This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. I can't take it anymore with this Mets team. Division gone. gone. Like you, If you look out in the distance, you can almost barely see the division. In my mind, not even a possibility. Gone. So all this stuff when it's like you hear people, oh, the Braves lost to Oakland. And it, it doesn't, it's irrelevant because the Mets are not catching Atlanta, in my mind. Okay? That's for starters. Gone. Secondly, you're on the verge of putting yourself in legitimate trouble to even get into the playoffs. And I know it's still somewhat early. But you've, you've shown no signs that you're better than a very mediocre baseball team. Hardesty and Damer on ESPN New York tonight. That's the voice of Dave Rothenberg, who teams up with Rick DiPietro to bring you DiPietro and Rothenberg Monday to Friday from 6 to 10 a.m. here on 98.7 ESPN. And Gordon, uh, scorching take by Dave. I mean, I, I still think that they are a playoff team. Uh, I understand what he's saying about maybe the division. But but Gordon, they're they're two and a half games behind the Marlins. The Marlins are not going to continue to play the way they're playing. No, they're not. No, I, I don't know. I think over the next hundred and two games, you could catch up. I, I don't think it's unprecedented. I don't think it's going to set any big records if the Mets come back from six games down on June fifth. Nobody is ever going to look back in history. You know, the year the Mets came back from being six games back in the loss column on June 5th to win the division. Oh, my God. What a what an unbelievable job to overcome that deficit. No, I mean, look, Dave's speaking as a fan, so it's yes. emotional. I get Absolutely. it. Absolutely. But to think Absolutely. that the division is over, over on June 5th. The, the division's not over for the Washington National. The, the National stink. That's why it's over. But <laughs> even for the Phillies, I wouldn't say the division no. is over. And the, no. and the Phillies have played significantly worse than the Mets. They Absolutely. lost to the Mets. Yeah. Yep. They have. And once again, I believe that at some point, Cohen will say, Epler, fix it. Fix it now. And they'll go out and they'll have to do what they'll do to make a move. It's not like it's not like the Wilpons are here, right? And it's okay, we're stuck. This is this is he's not gonna make what are they gonna do? They're not gonna make a move, they're not gonna do anything. This we just have to hope that they find a way to ride this out, right? That that's that's what that's the way it was, Gordon, under the previous administration. This is different. All right. This is different. And I and I believe that, uh, you know, the Mets will make a move this time at the All-Star break or the trade deadline or something, and they will do something to get this team squared away and get them on the right track. Now, they didn't do it last year because we've been crying for this bat, Gordon, for Mm -hmm. a year and a half, Uh, but they realized that Vogelbach was not the answer, okay? And, And it's still not the answer. And I don't know if they don't have a lot of faith in the kids. I don't Now, I will say this. Gordon, if the kids weren't here, I might agree with Dave <laughs> because they'd yeah. be in, in really bad shape. I mean, just the, where would this team be without Alvarez, Gordon? Mm-hmm. Just Alvarez alone. Yeah. Baby's been outstanding at third. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, where would they be without those two guys? Just those two. Yeah. Uh, well, uh, yeah, they'd, they'd be in trouble. Um, and, and at least you have the benefit of having the kids up and getting to see what they have and what impact can they have in the in the immediate and do you have to sacrifice one of them maybe or, or, or pieces in your farm system to fill holes in the lineup if those holes still exist when we get closer to the trade deadline? 
But, yeah, 60 games to go 30 and 30. We've seen this. I mean, it's not like you don't have to go back to like 1978 to find teams that overcame a bad first 60 games or first 80 games. The Braves were under 500 in like August the year they won the World Series. That's right. Now, the only problem, I do not think, that, as I said before, I think that people are completely overblowing the Mets' bad start and, and as if it's as if they've been eliminated from the playoffs already or they've already been eliminated from the division race already. It's silly. It's 60 games. It's not a great 60 games. I get it. But I would expect that things are going to get better from here on out. The only caveat I will say is I would expect the Braves are going to play better too. There's no question. And so when he says the division is out, I'm uh, Gordon. I didn't. <laughs> I never think that the division is the Mets as long as Atlanta's in it. Mm-hmm. Never, never. I've been burned too much. Right, last year you had a ten game lead. And <laughs> Give me a break. Won 101 games. Didn't didn't win the division. 101. Mm-hmm. Right. All right. So as far as winning the division, I, I Gordon, I, <laughs> I always think Atlanta's going to win the division. I, I'm shocked when the Mets win the division. Because Atlanta is, always seems to come up with the players. And the other thing that's so frustrating, they play us extremely well. It seems like they take every series. They took the first series this year. All right, so now we'll see what happens this time around. But, you know, uh, so I agree with him about this, the, the division. I just, for me, I'm not ready to go to there's a playoff possibility that we won't make it right now. I'm not ready to go there. I'm right. not ready to do that yet. Yeah. I mean, it was roughly around this time last year that the Braves were under 500 mm-hmm. and were 10 and a half games back in the division and were able to overcome that. Now, again, you're not the Braves, but it can right. be done. Uh, right. the, again, two years ago when the Braves won the World Series, they were under 500 into August. Yeah, I know. So it, we are living in a time now where the regular season – even though we're sports fans and we live and die with the every single day, these leagues have devised it so that the regular season, even baseball, is not nearly as important as mm-hmm. it once was. Yep. And what's the most important thing is, is obviously to make the postseason. I think the Mets will make the postseason. Um, and then get hot near the end of the year. Right. Figure out your issues. This is the time to figure out your issues. Don't have your issues later on. Mm-hmm. And if the Mets are still having their issues later on, well, okay, then we can talk. And, and um, they'll, they'll have to be changes. But to think that 60 games in, that you're writing off anything at this point to me, seems a little bit overdone. Baseball, in this sense, Gordon, is becoming a lot like football. It's football teams, after Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Where are you going? Get hot after Thanksgiving and ride that momentum into the postseason. And that's and you just said it. You chronicled it. That's what Atlanta did. Mm-hmm. Got hot in August, rolled that momentum straight through September, right into the playoffs. And and uh, that's what you that's the way you go now. So really the first the first part of the season is to, as you said, let's assess where we are, let's see what we need. Okay, this is what we have to do. Let's go out. What are we gonna do? Who who's our target people that we have to go out and try to get to turn this thing around and make them better? My issue with the Mets is simply this. They are supposed to be a World Series team. That's how they were put together. That's how the money has been spent. Okay? So far over these first 60 games, 
there has been nothing consistent about their play that makes you think that they are a team that's going to win the World Series. Nothing. There's no. nothing consistent about them. The only consistent thing about them has been their inconsistency, offensively and pitching-wise. And so at some point in time, they have to get it together. So you're hoping that, okay, if they can tread water and do what they need to do and find a way until they make their moves, then after the trade deadline, Gordon, they have to go on a substantial run that that gives them confidence and the rest of the division like, uh-oh, okay, here they come. This is the team we expected. And the thing I think it is, it's not just the inconsistency because I think every team has some level of that. The Mets just kind of have holes everywhere. They have holes in the road. It's not like the rotation one to five is, is locked down. And even the guys that are supposed to be locked down, they're, 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 they're old. Uh, they yeah. have two old yeah. guys, and, and they got burned by having two old guys starting the rotation last year. And, and they doubled down on it with a different pitcher in Verlander, but, you know, he's still, he's still up there. Um, so the, the rotation is not locked down. The lineup, even despite all the money you're spending on the lineup, there's, there's holes in that lineup. And, and imagine if they didn't bring up some of the kids, Beatty and, and Alvarez. Uh, and even the bullpen, which, as you said, Robertson has been good. He's really not had many issues filling in for, for Diaz. But it's not like it's a strength. It's not mm -mm. like you say, okay, we just have to get through the first five and then we're going to turn things over to the bullpen. So for a team that is spending significantly more than even the second-place team, probably the gap between one and two, I'd have to think, has never been wider. It doesn't feel like the Mets have spent their money well. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. And you've got issues with folks who are not playing up to the level of the back of their baseball card. And that doesn't help you. That no. doesn't help you. It's funny because somebody, I think it was Jose in Brooklyn, brought up before about um, Volpe. Mm -hmm. benching Volpe. And um, I would think as long as Volpe can hold down the position defensively, he's going to have the job for the entire year. Absolutely. If he starts if he starts making the errors like we've seen a little bit, that's when it becomes a little dodgy. But, but Volpe is at 193, 268 on base, 363 slugging. He has an OPS plus of 73. 100 is considered league average. So he is significantly below average as a shortstop. Francisco Lindor is at 213, 284, 404. So his OPS plus is 89. So, so he's better. But it ain't that much different. No. I mean, do you look at those numbers and say, wow, one guy's really a lot. Lindor is a whole lot better than what Volpe has been. No. I don't. No. I don't. The only thing that the only thing I'll say about him, Gordon, is that. His, his glove has not uh, been affected he, by his back. No, absolutely. He is a sensational defensive shortstop. But when you're getting paid, what is it, $35 million, whatever it is, yeah, you'd like to think that you're better than just average offensively. You would like to think, but it hasn't been that way. No. And once again, two weeks, he could go, he could go on, a, he could carry this team for two weeks, Gordon. And then another two weeks, then three weeks, you can get a situation where we got this weekend, we struck out eight times, eight times. I went back and looked. Uh, the year the Braves won the World Series, they did not get over 500 for good until August 8th. So you got some time. You got some time. 
But we don't have the offense Atlanta does. <laughs> no. And, and the problem is that year the Braves won 88 games. I don't think you're winning the division at 88 wins. No. Mm-mm. Nope. You're not. You're not. 1-800-919-3776. We'll take more calls next on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. You know what? Just credit to a lot of different people. Obviously, you know, Judge and Rizzo and Glaber have just been constants for us in their consistency, but we've gotten contributions all over the place from guys that aren't even still here. Some winning things are happening, which is good. And look, it doesn't mean everyone's hot or everyone's doing great. Some guys are struggling, but when you do things that help you win games and that's what it's about and i feel like a lot of a lot of those things are happening and it's just a credit to them you know i talk about it with you guys a lot you know walk in the building with an edge prepare your butt off and go compete and rinse and repeat and they are doing that at a really high level like win or lose like we're hooked up on that bench and ready to go two of three from seattle two of three from the dodgers aaron boone Staying in games, going a little bit longer and smiling while he's there. It's ESPN New York tonight here on 987 ESPN. And listen, Boone's right. He's getting contributions from a bunch of different folks. No question. And how they're doing this, I'm not exactly sure. <laughs> Gotta be honest. Um, but I, I, I love it, you know, as a, as a Yankee fan. This is what you want your team to do. Uh, the fact that they're 11 games over 500, dealing with the amount of injuries that they've had so far. The pitching has been. Pretty much across the board, excellent. I know that um, that they've had some some issues in terms of injuries, and Severino was not good last time out, and Nestor's had his issues so far this year. But you see Herman go out there and pitch again. I mean, he, he's been really good. Really good. The bullpen is good every single year. Uh, it's just really for me a question of that offense, and they're scratching across enough runs right now to get wins. So the fact that they're 11 games over 500, I'm not really sure how they're doing it, but they're doing it, and that's all that matters. And now you have a spot in your schedule, Gordon, where you can fatten up a little bit. Should be. Now, we know that uh, when the, the Mets had that stretch, sometimes it doesn't always go to plan. True. Right? So the True. Yankees have, have played well. They played well uh, against San Diego. Um, they played well against Seattle. They, they won the series against the Dodgers as well. You'd like to think that the White Sox would be an easy mark because they're, they're really bad, the, the mm-hmm. White Sox. Uh, they are just a mess of an organization, really, because I think that they're, they're actually trying to win. You know, there's so many teams <laughs> in baseball now that are not even trying. Like, they're bad, but they're, they're trying to be bad. The A's mm-hmm. are, are, are historically bad. Yeah. But, but most teams – that are trying to be good. Like I always say that about the Angels. Like the fact that the Angels are out of the playoff race every single year when they're trying to be good is astounding. And the White Sox are, are basically the, the opposite of the Yankees. They're uh, 26 and 35, so nine mm-hmm. games under 500. And they, they just have not uh, – it does not look like they're going to be figuring it out. But uh, you'd like to hope that the Yankees can, can take advantage of that. But they're only five and a half behind the Twins. <laughs> yeah, that so, whole, I mean, that whole division is really bad. It is. It, yeah, and, it, and once again, here's, this is that time when the Angels start to start yawning. Gordon, they were, they've lost seven of their last 10. So they, mm-hmm. they're now 31 and 30 mm-hmm. after losing seven of their last 10. And this is when it starts now. 
this is when it starts to get a little crazy for them. Do you think that they will trade? If they fall out of it like they typically do, do you think they'll trade Otani before the trade deadline? Uh, Joe, Joe Leo believes they will. And Joe Leo is saying that he that uh, Steve Cohen has told Billy Epler, I don't care what you have to do to get him here, get him here. Well, I would think that that's the best thing that Billy Epler has on his resume at this point, that he's got a relationship with Otani. I mm-hmm. mean, it's certainly not the work that he's done as the Mets GM. <laughs> I mean, there's, <laughs> nothing, no. there's, there's nothing there. <laughs> I mean, you, if, he, if he ends up not getting Otani and he gets traded someplace else, that might be the final nail in the coffin for Billy Epler, but um, I I do not think that a team like the amount that you would have to give the Angels, because I would think that there's still a possibility the Angels would be able to bring him back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what I mean, what a team would have to give up to get that guy, with the hope of then being able to resign him to what six hundred million dollars, five hundred million dollars. After the season, the only thing about that is I noticed that all of the Angels promotions, like ticket promotions involving Otani, are before the trade deadline. Mm-hmm. Tells you a lot. Yeah, even <laughs> they don't believe in them. <laughs> they know. Yeah. They're like, we're normally out of it by this right. time. Yeah, let's, let's burn them let's early, guys. Yeah, Let's move on. You know, it is. Interesting discussion on the K show today, and they somebody called in and mentioned that they thought that Aaron Judge was the best player since Barry Bonds. And, you know, as far as all-around player, I mean, you know, Gordon, once again, I mean, this guy went through a wall. I mean, I thought it was a door. <laughs> yeah. He cracked it. He went through a wall uh, to make that play in, 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 in L.A. And but you know, Otani, you have to you have to include him because he's doing something nobody else has done. Yeah, look, I love Judge. I think he's the best player uh, in baseball. If I had to get a player for just this year alone, I think that he would probably be the number one pick, the best player since Bonds. I don't know, man. I think that tough. Um, there's a lot of people that you could put in. Yeah, there. I think that Albert Pujols would have something to say about that. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. Full holes. Um, you know, there's a couple of other folks that might be trout as well. Yeah, Trout, obviously. Yeah. Miguel Cabrera yeah. certainly was uh you know, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Mm-hmm. A Rod is more of a of a contemporary with Bond, so I won't right. include him. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it's it's an interesting discussion. Mm-hmm. But, um, he's on a short list. Like if you only name three there. and four guys, that's pretty good. Yeah, he's in he's on he's in the conversation. There's no mm-hmm. question about it. And it's because of it's because of his abilities, Gordon. He's af- he is so athletic for a guy his size. That it's you, crazy. I mean, for, imagine what he's able to do. I mean, this guy played center field, Gordon. You would you would not put a six eight six nine guy in center field and expect him to you know be do a great job. And he did that last year. He's done. A, I mean, he really can do everything. He can yeah. run. He can throw. He can field. He can hit for average. He can hit for power. Um, you know, he's not just one of these guys that just hits 250. Right. Exactly. Exactly. He, he's a tremendous player. When we return, Gordon, I have a big concern as a Nick fan for something I saw today about an impending free agent. I'll share that with you next on 987 ESPN.
This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. I love New York. I love the team. I love the, the coaches staff, the front office that we have. I've got young guys, draft picks, all the, you know, all those sort of things. So, you know, obviously that would be an ideal place for me to just, you know, resign there and do that. Everything's perfect on the court, off the court, you know, with family being close to home, doing all those kind of things. So, you know, fingers crossed that, you know, yeah, for, you know, when, when free agency starts, I'll say a deal will get done, you know, mm-hmm. hopefully in the first day or two. I would love for that to be home. That's Josh Hart telling the Bleacher Report, Taylor Rook, that he would like to stay in New York, Gordon Damer. But if that's the case, then why later in that same interview, he said he may not take his player option and want to be a free agent. Well, he, he would like to be in New York, but he would like for New York to be the team that pays him the most as well. He wants to uh, – NBA is, is like anything else. You have a very short shelf life. You know, it was not that long ago Josh Hart was, was picked up for a song. Uh-huh. And if it had not been for his short tenure with the Knicks, I don't know that he had been looking at – the things you hear, four years, eighty million, somewhere around that range. I don't think that he was looking at four years and eighty million before he got traded to the Knicks. No, you, the going rate was between fifteen and seventeen, from where I've seen mostly mm-hmm. Gordon. That that's where people are uh, right. thinking that that's where he's going to be. Twenty million, twenty million is that's a lot. That's a lot. Not, not that it's my money. No, I know. And, and with NBA contracts at this point, it's almost like you can't look at the numbers. You, you just can. have to, like, realize and – and I'm not saying that the teams don't have to – the teams clearly, with the salary cap, they have to know the ins and outs and everything else and how they can finagle things. But you, you see contracts in the NBA, and it's like, that guy's getting paid. How, how much is he getting paid? Mm-hmm. It's a lot of money. Lots. Yeah. Especially when you're – you need – some other things <laughs> right it's not just one thing it's not it's not you need you you got a shopping list mm-hmm. you know i had the chance to chat with bobby marks yesterday gordon who i love mm-hmm. to talk to okay although i need a you know a, like a mathematician mm-hmm. translator because of all the different numbers and things that go about it but you know it, it's interesting and i was trying to get him to i was trying to get his thought process on what the knicks what those conversations are like in the front office, right? When you, excuse me, when you have, okay, what are we doing? How do we look, how do we look at this season? Do we look at this season like it was a successful season and we're really close? We don't have to do a bunch of things to change it personnel wise. Oh, do we look at this as, you know, come on, let's be honest. We fell short and we need more of more of more shooting or more rebounding or more depth or more of this. How do you do it? And his thought process was, Gordon, very simple, that you have to be careful. It's a tough balance of making sure that you add, but not add so much that you ultimately subtract. Mm-hmm. And he's like, you know, you could, he said, you could get a, a fourth seed to going out of the playoffs with two bad moves. And that's a scary thought process, too, because now you look and you say, okay. Leon Rose has done, and one of the callers made a great point yesterday. Leon Rose has done some good things, but he's done good things to cover up bad mistakes that he's made, right? I mean, you got to sign Josh Hart, Gordon, because you gave up a number one pick for him. Yeah, um, and I think that they will. Of all the moves that the Knicks have to make this offseason, that one would be the most surprising to me if he is not back. Mm Mm-hmm. 
So I, I don't know what it's going to cost them. Uh, it might cost them more than <laughs> I might feel comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when you get into the 17, 18, 20 million dollar range, but I do think that the judgment of the front office, they've given you more reasons to believe in them because mm-hmm. when they got Josh Hart, my opinion of the move was like, yeah, okay, that's a you got something for nothing there, but you know, it's not exactly uh I don't think it's necessarily a game-changing move and it it kind of was a game-changing move. I mean, mm-hmm. the Knicks played like a different team once Josh Hart became part of the regular rotation. So uh, I, I think that that's always, to me, the most important thing. What is the team able to do that surprises you that and, and shows that they know more than the average person knows? Mm-hmm. And a lot of times the average – like think of all the things that we've said about the Jets. The, 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 the typical Jet fan has been down on moves and yeah. has been absolutely right. Yeah. So that, that to me is a sign that the Knicks and Leon Rose have a good read on the situation. So I'm, I'm going to put my faith that he can get a deal done with Hart that makes sense for both sides. 17 and 8 once Josh Hart got back here. And at one yeah. point they were undefeated. Mm-hmm. 17 and 8. Um, so he look, he made a difference. There's no question about it. And he is a, he's a typical guy, like you said. Absolutely. He, 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 is, he is a Tibbs guy. There's no doubt about it. But uh, the more as you peruse and all the you know rumors and stuff with the Knicks of you know uh, towns from Minnesota, Luca oh, from no. Dallas, wow. uh, you know Be this nice. is everybody. Dream. Everybody's got you know everybody's got these thought processes, and in all these processes, Gordon, a lot of these young guys are gone. Top uh, Toppin's gone. Grimes is gone. Uh, IQ is gone, draft choices are gone, you know, and so you you wonder that the the delicate balance that you mm-hmm. have from a chemistry standpoint, you know, can that be o- overrided, you know, by making too many moves? And and for Nick fans, none of these moves seem to add Julius Randle in them. <laughs> it's always so it's something else. I never see his name in them, Gordon. Never him. No, I, I don't get the sense that as much as Nick fans or a portion of the fan base would like to see him moved, it doesn't feel like there's there's got to be two sides to make a deal. It doesn't seem like the interest from other teams. There's no team out there that's saying, you know what, you know what, we really need to gotta get, get him. Right, and 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 and, and part of that is I think that t- that's a sign that Tibbs is getting the most out of Randall. I don't think yeah. Randall would be as valuable to other teams as he is to the Knicks. Mm-hmm. That's scary. <laughs> that's really scary they're getting the most out of him he's that's been scary. his the best version of julius randall has been with tips mm-hmm. on the Knicks. yeah mike's in florida what's up mike yeah gentlemen uh the uh i think the success uh before i, I make this quick comment the line has dropped all the way down to two tomorrow night really for who uh, the uh, the uh, uh, Denver's only favored by two, two and a half. They were mm-hmm. eight, eight and a half the first two games, weren't they? They were. I, I know they were for game one. I don't know about game two. Okay, it was like seven, seven and a half. But uh, the reason uh, I called, and I don't have great knowledge of basketball, but I just think, and uh, if you could comment on it, and then uh, I, I'd like to listen hang up and listen. The reason the Heat 
are so successful, obviously, is their defense. But the coaches, the coach trains these guys, coaches these guys, where they just can turn that defense on. It's like a strangling defense early in the game or late in the game. And the other teams, like Boston did a couple games, and last night, the uh, Denver just says, this is just too much. They play defense where nobody can get open, and they're stuck to these uh, uh, Denver players like glue. Did you notice that, that the defense just strangles the players where they just give up when they're tired they can't go anymore well i'll say this mike i'll say this and thanks for the phone call uh they play tough defense but they also play a physical defense so gordon they are really at the whim of how the officials are calling games and i think they kind of that's why you see them make adjustments and change defenses with how the game is being called if the game is, if the officials are allowing you to be a bit more physical, then they will go into their one-on-one defense because they know in that one-on-one defense, they can push, they can do. I mean, you should see like people. <laughs> Jokic was getting like forearms in his lower back, and you know all these different things. And you know, if you're getting away with that, you will continue to play physical. You'll make the officials make the adjustment. Now, when they start to call things then you'll see that, you know what, they may go into a zone. It's okay, let's see. You, let, you're, shoot, you're having trouble shooting. You're getting into the lane. You're being physical. All right, shoot from outside. Let's see if you can hit some threes. And when you hit, start hitting the threes, then we'll move out. We'll do something else. So he's right, Gordon, in the sense of they are prepared mentally and physically and are coached up to be able to switch and play any defense. Anybody can play any defense that they call. And – that's that. That's a huge advantage because you look at Denver, they they were lost. How many timeouts did Malone call last night for Denver? Don't leave that guy open on the switch. And every time you turn around, mm-hmm. you've got Green waving at somebody, Porter Jr. waving at somebody, Gordon waving at somebody who's wide open at the three. Yeah, they 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 could not handle that uh, very basic play. <laughs> they just it just seemed like they they didn't know whether to switch or not it would seem like an automatic switch situation and they didn't they would leave either the the guy that was stay, sitting on the sidelines with a wide open three or if they stay if they if they actually did cover the guy that was on the outside the guy cutting to the basket would have a clear lane right to the hoop so that yeah they definitely have some things to to uh to clean up and after game one, there was a lot made about Jimmy Butler kind of laughing uh, about the fact that the, the Heat were trailing in the series. Mm-hmm. At this point, how could you not feel like Jimmy Butler is right to, to be laughing at a deficit? The, the Heat have been down multiple times. I gave you the stat before. When they're, they're facing a deficit of 12 or more in these playoffs, they're 7-6. and six. The rest of the NBA is 6-59. and 59. And, and they probably feel even more so that way now because they were able to go into Denver and get a win. So the fact that they're playing with a deficit does not impact them in any way because that's when they've had success. It's like they have it right where they want them. Mm. We love it here. Yeah. <laughs> we love it like this. First loss for Denver at home, Gordon, since March 
30th. And and the one thing we, we talked about it before the series, you know, it seemed like every category and how, no matter how you broke it down, it seemed like it favored Denver. The yep. only category where it seemed like that, well, it didn't seem like they, that the Heat did have an advantage is they've been here before. Mm hmm. And if they can if they can exploit that, the, the fact that they've been here before, if they're able to get a win in game three, man, the, the Nuggets, I mean, it's not like the Nuggets have not had good seasons before and flamed out in the playoffs. It it's could true. it could start to get a little sticky. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt. Because Miami just nothing phases them, Gordon. Nothing. We're down, so what? No one. You know? Who cares? Right. Exactly. You know, Jimmy Butler says the same thing at every press conference. We don't listen to nobody. We don't care. We know what we can do, so on and so forth. It's just, it's just, it's getting old. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's getting old, Gordon. It's getting old. Uh, as as a Nick fan, I want somebody to beat them already. I'm done. Yeah, I'm well, done. There, there's there's always game three, Larry, and if they don't get game three, uh, look out. Look out. You are correct. But you know, Buddha called me yesterday, Gordon. He said Miami's got to win tonight. If they don't win, this series is over. Well, they won. It did, it did feel that way. And they won impressively. Mm-hmm impressively and they are out shooting Denver from three, which is crazy. Crazy. We'll see if they, uh, and now they're going home. <laughs> yeah. So, and you know, they're very good at home. It's going to be an interesting series. My friend, we'll continue the conversation with your calls next on 987 ESPN. This is ESPN New York tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN. Gordon Richards back from Manhattan. Let's hear there what he is. has to say on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, Richard. Oh, hi, Larry. Gordon. Larry, you'd be proud of me. I'm getting some prostate information on the. That's why I was uh, a little occupied, that's all. Uh, as far as uh, the Miami uh, Heat, their last three games, they've been away. And... Uh, they won two out of three. They were eight-point eight point underdogs in uh, three to, all three games. And two of them, not only did they cover, they won the games outright. So I'm curious. Do you guys know what the spread is for Wednesday? Two and a half. Nuggets two and minus a half. two and a half, yeah. Wow, that's some jump. Eight, 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 mm-hmm. and now two and a half. All right, guys, let me ask you this. Judge bats second. Instead of third, because he gets more at-bats, correct, during the course yes. of the season. Right. Why don't you let him bat first? They could. I so think that they, the they would prefer to have him bat first rather than third. Well, I think he's he's also their best base runner, too. Uh, he's the best first. To th- well, maybe now with Volpe, but Volpe. No, but if he bats first, team. Gordon, yeah. he'd be getting more at-bats sure. than he would be getting at batting at second. So why are they stopping at second? He's not batting third because at second he gets more at bats. So why can't we bat him first to get more, even more at bats? Well, What's the rationale for batting second instead of first? I'm sure that they have run the numbers and that they find that the wow, that's switch not from answer. second to first is not that significant. Well, okay, I, I don't understand it, but okay. Now let's go to Alonzo. Alonzo bats fourth. There's a good chance he doesn't get up in the first inning. Right? Especially with right. the rest of the Mets hitting, yeah. Mm-hmm. Correct, the first three hitters. So that means he's leading off. That defeats the whole purpose of him batting cleanup. So why isn't he batting third or second or first? First, he'll get, for one reason, he'll get more at-bats, and then there's a better chance 
especially if he's batting third, he's going to get up in the first inning for sure, and there's a chance he can get up with one man on base or two men on base. I mean, there's that chance also when he's batting fourth, but there's also a chance when he's batting fourth that he doesn't get up at all. Mm-hmm. So I don't understand. All of this stuff is called analytics, but if you have somebody who's not that bright like me breaking it down, I still don't see how it's being answered. Well, I, they, I mean, they did have Judge bat leadoff down the right. stretch of last year, and I think right. in the playoffs too. Okay. So why isn't he batting leadoff now? Well, I, I guess that they, they, they feel like, uh, you know, having him second is not that much of a drop-off from batting him first. Um, so then why don't you they, bat him third? Well, they, they so obviously the think that there is a drop-off from second to third. It's not all the same. So you're saying they're compromising. I, I don't see it, Gordon. In other words, he's batting second because it's better than batting third. So then, by my intuitive thinking, why not we bat him first? That has to be better than batting second. Well, yeah, but I think in Judge's case, uh, Richard, I think that yeah. they believe because he's his home runs have been so consistent, if he, we, we bat him second and he comes up with a runner on base, we got two runs. Right. As but opposed Larry, to batting him now I'll argue, with one run. Right. Then I'll argue, why don't you let him bat third? Because he'll still get up in the first inning, and there's a better chance that he'll get up with a man on base because two guys are in front of him. And there's even a uh, the better best thing would be two men be getting on base. Whereas if he bats second, there's no chance for him get, to get up uh, with men on base. With two there's men also on base. the idea, Richard, if we bat him third and the first two guys are out, we could walk him. And pass right. him, and and just you know not let him hit, not not pitch to him at all. So it's oh, that wow, that's true too. But you don't you know, see so that. So it, it can go either right. way, Richard. It can go either way. Thanks for the phone call. What what we're trying to do is we're trying to, you put us in the position where we're trying to guesstimate what the numbers are that that the folks in the Mets and Yankees have been running for their players and make the decisions. And there's so many things that go into it, Gordon, that we don't even know. Yeah. Um... Look, he, he did hit leadoff last year. And here's the thing. Like, at the end of the day, isn't it based on results? Yep. Like, the fact that he has been the best hitter in the sport for the last two uh, year plus whatever, I don't know. Like, <laughs> that, that's not, that does not need to be fixed. We're, we're good. Wherever the Yankees <laughs> are saying to hit judge, that's mm-hmm. good. They, they have figured out where to put him. So, yeah, you're I right. don't really have a problem if they – now, usually, like, leadoff, I would think that it's more important for you to get on base at that point as opposed to just being the best hitter in the sport for Judge, mm-hmm. which he is. But mm-hmm. I don't know. It, it's not really an issue. Like, I don't look at the Yankees' issues scoring runs and saying, you know what it is? They, they have to move Judge around. Yeah. <laughs> Judge is the one that – that's fine. It's everybody else that might be the problem, but not him. Yeah. You got to move everybody else around. Judge is good where he is. And, and I don't – and I, this is coming from somebody who hasn't – at times disagree with things that the Yankees do, but if the results are what the results are, don't mm-hmm. you have to take the results into account and, and, yeah. and consider your criticisms based on that? Yeah, it's true. I mean, you know, it, it, it's work. It's worked with him. Uh, you know, it's worked with him hitting second. They, they just need everybody else to hit <laughs> because Gordon eventually somebody's going to not pitch to him. I'm still waiting. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why you would. I, 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 the same goes for Alonzo and Judge. Yeah, don't throw, don't let that guy beat you. Nope, you shouldn't. You shouldn't. But but teams do it all the time.
They do. They do it all God the bless time. Them. They need yeah. to do it more keep, often. Keep up. The keep up. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Please, keep throwing them. You, you'll yeah. be the guy that gets them out. Absolutely. You know, and, and listen, and and unfortunately for the Mets, some of the pitchers are getting them out, and nobody else is hitting either. That is a problem. It is. It really is. It really, really is. So as you can imagine, Gordon, I've got a little, I've got a little angst going into this series that begins tomorrow night in Atlanta. I, I'm not sure what I'm getting. I've got Carrasco on the mound tomorrow night. I don't know what I'm gonna get from him. I've got Scherzer the following night, who's more concerned about arguing about the pitch clock and and how unfair it is to pitchers. And then I got Verlander, and I don't know what Verlander I'm, am I getting. Am I getting the Verlander that? Gave up one run, or I'm getting the Verlander that got lit up in Colorado. I don't know. I don't know. Those two last guys, they better show up. Because they have been kind of spared in the criticism of the Mets so far. If they yeah. all of a sudden go out there and soil the sheets in Atlanta, the criticism will start immediately. Yep. It would. It would. I mean, it's unfair. It, it It's understandable, but it's unfair. I mean, Lindor's been the poster boy for this offense struggling. And it's yep. not just him. It's not just him. But when you're making as much as him, you're supposed to be the given. You're not supposed yeah. to be struggling. Yeah. Well, there, there's always a casualty uh, when you struggle, and that casualty was Tomas Nito, who was uh, given the same paycheck. Uh, goodbye. DFAs. Yes. Mm-hmm. Much like a, a Hicks Gary. guy that I know of. Oh, yeah. Well, he, he's been lighting it up since he, since he left. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, it's amazing. It's okay. I'm I'm all right with it. I'm still I'm still fine. <laughs> you still good? <laughs> I'm a, I don't have any I don't have any regrets. Listen, I care if he's playing a better left field and hitting more than he hit hit anyway. He did he absolutely, and he's at least trying. I know he's trying. <laughs> he is. He's trying. He's he's doing a good job with it. Doing a decent job. Doing a decent job. So yeah, Gordon, this is uh this is a tough couple of days for me. So hopefully we'll we'll see. Hopefully my Mets can do something to, you know, perk things up because, I mean, losing to Toronto the way they did, I mean, Gordon, it was, it's, it's scary. Well, here's the thing. The Mets have been very inconsistent all year. So the fact that they lost the Blue Jays the way they did, maybe that's a good sign that they're going to they're gonna swing things back the other way. Yeah. Okay. No? You're trying. I appreciate it. <laughs> <laughs> you're doing the best you can. I appreciate it. I am. It. I, I do. I appreciate what you're trying to do. I do. I just, it's, I I would feel that way if it was anybody but Atlanta these next two games. I just feel that you, you needed to have at least, if you could have at least taken one from Toronto, at least one. Okay, then I would, you know, feel a little better. But, and this is a Toronto team that's not playing that great. The Mets have showed you when you think you're down, they bring you back up. Mm-hmm. Tomorrow night, Larry, some shekels on the Mets. Really? Does you? that make you feel better? Yes. All right. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Were you picking them to lose? No. <laughs> no. Shekels <laughs> on the Mets. I'm taking them. You're taking them? Yeah. Okay. All right. Might not be many Atlanta. shekels, but still some shekels will be spent. Okay. Joe, he's betting a penny on the Mets. <laughs> no, you can't. You can't do that. <laughs> it's going to be interesting. It will be interesting. All right, my friend. I'll see you tomorrow night. We'll talk Mets and Yankees. And uh, one day closer to the NBA Finals game 
three. So we'll do that tomorrow night, my friend. See you tomorrow. Sounds good, Larry. That wraps up this edition of ESPN New York tonight. We thank you for joining us. Joe, Julian, thank you very much. Up next, Freddie and Fitzsimmons, they continue the conversation on 98.7 ESPN. Larry, you'd be proud of me. I'm getting some prostate information. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty and Gordon Damer on 98.7 ESPN.